Welcome back to Nachiyomi. This is Rabbi Yaakov Trump. We are now about to enter into the 16th chapter, the 16th parak of Sefer Yehoshua. We'll be moving at this at five prakim a week, and we're about to finish Yehoshua in a week and a half, two weeks. So here we go. We're a, this is a very short parak. The recording will be shorter than usual. It's only 10 psukim long, but there's nonetheless a lot to think about. We've moved last week or land last recording from the um, division of land of Shevet Yehuda. That was the first tribe to get its portion in Israel proper. And now we're moving into the division of the land of Shevet Yosef. Now, as we know, Yosef actually has two children, Ephraim and Menashe. And the Menashe section that is on the west bank of the Jordan and the Ephraim are actually right next to each other. And this parak goes on to describe all the cities along the borders of this particular um, of this particular land grouping. And um, we're not going to go through the exact names of each of these um, cities, many of which are not familiar to us. But nonetheless, just to suffice to say, as I'll try to send out a map soon, you'll be able to see that it moves essentially from just a little north of the Dead Sea on the west, on the, on the east side where Jericho is. That's the bottom right-hand corner. You know, moving up a number of miles and moving across all the way to the Mediterranean Sea. This is the, really primarily the Haray, you know, the Haray Ephraim, the mountains of Ephraim, you know, where Ofra is today, is sort of central um, Ephraim and Menashe, and it's that area, that swath of land, which is given to Yosef. Um, it is uh, worthy of note that in the sequence of description over here, we first start with Yehuda, and we're not moving directly northwards because directly north above Yehuda is actually Binyamin. And done. We move. We shift, shift over to Yosef, and it is fascinating that for the rest of Jewish history, the south and the northern kingdom are going to be, you know, the poles of them are going to be Yehuda and Yosef, even though they're going to be all the rest of the tribes which are, you know, sort of moving towards each of those poles. Nonetheless, Yosef and Yehuda, there's the firstborn essentially, or the king of Rachel and the king of Leah, are are set out over here. A few interesting things to notice in this parak. Number one is is that the way the parak begins is with the following words: Yosef so how does the, the, the lottery work? It goes to the children of Yosef. It almost sounds like that there was one lot which was given to both the children of Yosef, and then the division internally was made between Ephraim and Menashe. And that's strange, because we know that Ephraim and Menashe, in fact, were two children who had their own, each their own territory. So why is it that it sounds like there is this one division of land which goes equally to both of them and then subdivided in the middle? Um... There are those that I saw in the commentary, Mishpat says Zahav, who makes the interesting point. There's the following halacha. In Jewish legal inheritance, basic Torah inheritance, if there is a firstborn son, the firstborn son will take double the amount, Pishnayim, of all the other, the other sons who are inheriting. Um, that's, that, that's the halacha. Now, the Gemara Babasa tells us that there is actually a certain protocol in that process, and that is, is that the Bechor is allowed to choose what's called the, the Bar Metzra, the property which borders on his first um, chalak, his first portion of land. So, if let's say there are three sons, and therefore that we divide the we divide the lands, the inheritance into four sections. The two younger sons get one each, and the bechor would get two. So those two that he gets are are it's necessary to give him ones which border on each other because for him it makes a real difference. 
that now you can cultivate that as one double plot rather than two separate properties he has to move around between. This gets into the, the, the concept in Halakha, what's called Dina de Barometra, that when a neighbor sells property, the neighbor has to first offer it to the person right next to adjacent to them as first dibs because for them, that person, the land would be more, more, worth more than to any other person because they could now use a double plot. This is where it comes from. So the Mishpat Sozov suggests that that's what's happening over here. It, ultimately, Yosef is only getting a double portion for, from his sons because Reuven, who was the Bechor of, of Yaakov, forfeited his portion for whatever reason, and that Bechorah went to Yosef. Yosef got the Pishnaim, the double portion of inheritance. If so, his double portion had to be together, which is why the, uh, the description of the division of the land of Yosef is lumped together from the Menashe. And in fact, the Tanakh notes in this parak that a number of the cities are interdispersed into one another. One last point to think about today before we um, close our, our learning today. And that is the last Pasuk of the Perak. The Perak of the Pasuk says, They did not fully conquer the Canaanites who lived in the city called Gezer. And these Canaanites remained living in the territories of Ephraim. And they were actually in servitude to Ephraim. Now you can imagine what must have been going on in their minds. You know, you know, who are humanitarian? Do we need to really kill them? Do we need to kick them out? Yeah, I'm sure if they just be subservient, they'll be fine. Now that's all in, all 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 fun and and nice. But Hashem said that there was only two ways about it. The one is, is that they accepted the Shemitzus B'nai Noach and pay taxes um, and are completely subservient, or they're killed um, and kicked out. This was neither of them. This is kind of in between. And we're going to see that this is going to be something which haunts us all the way through Shoftim, all the way till the times of David Amelech, of these cities which weren't fully conquered. And one of the sad things about this is Gezer is in fact one of those 31 cities listed as being the conquered cities. So even though it was not really fully conquered, it was just under the thumb of Israel for the time being, we're going to see that these are the cities which are going to create great problems later on. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.